Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. You, my friends, are in for a mighty treat today. I'm going to keep the introduction a little bit shorter than normal so we can get into this interviewer and let her truly shine. Let me tell you more about that. Today, we, the Live Inspired community, celebrate our 500th Live Inspired Podcast episode. That's awesome. In the last almost six years, I've had the honor of having some of the most life-giving and life-changing conversations with luminaries and thought leaders, including New York Times bestselling authors, Hall of Fame athletes, Grammy-winning recording artists. I even visited with a man who literally traveled to the moon twice. I know, twice, as if once wasn't enough. I'm so humbled that the Live Inspired movement has grown to hundreds of thousands of weekly listeners, listeners who tune in, by the way, from all 50 states and more than 115 countries around the world. It's just awesome. And that's you. So my friends, as my team and I have been brainstorming ways to celebrate this special occasion, our 500th episode, we had some grandiose ideas. But nothing seemed quite as meaningful and quite as full circle as handing the microphone over to the person who was there when it all got started. So without further ado, Joe Buck, take it away. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Joe, thanks for the warm introduction, but today, my friends, welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with your host, Susan O'Leary. That's right, nearly six years ago and about a 499 episodes ago, I was honored to join today's guest as the first guest on his just launched podcast. It was an absolute joy to sit across from him, my son, as we discussed how I met and fell in love with my fabulous husband, Denny, how January 17th, 1987 changed the lives of the O'Leary family forever. But most of all, we talked about resilience, faith, courage, redemption, family, love, and life. Today, as we celebrate the momentous occasion of 500 Live Inspired podcast episodes, it's my turn to put today's guest in the hot seat. Join me as I ask my son, John O'Leary, the hard hitting questions, including some submitted from the loyal, incredible Live Inspired community. Plus my favorite part, for the very first time ever, and I have been waiting for this, <laughs> John's going to answer the Live Inspired 7. Yes, something I have truly been counting down the last five years, 11 months, and four days to do. 
Not that I've been keeping track or anything or have anything else going on in my life, but this was paramount. My friends, without further ado, please join me in welcoming your friend, my friend, and my son, John O'Leary. John, welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast. Well, Mom, this is this is surreal. Not only that we're doing this years after we did it the very first time, but that we're recording this together live on your screened-in porch in the very house that I was raised by you and Dad. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be with you. And I have, honestly, listeners, no clue what you're going to be asking me today. So th this is going to be fun, I hope. Well, know that I had to pay a high <laughs> price to get this done, but we're here, and I am, I am ready to go with this. So are you ready? Let's go. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to follow your lead. All right. As an avid listener, John, you generally start your conversation with guests on their Genesis story. Instead of yours, what's the Genesis of the Live Inspired podcast? So again, it is a surreal moment to have my mother on the other side of the microphone and me to be uh, interviewed by you today. Mom, as you know, when I was a kid, I never knew that the story we went through together was worthy of, of talking about, of celebrating. Slowly, through an evolution of more than two decades, I embraced the story. Three Girl Scouts was the starting point, a small not-for-profit right behind them, another small not-for-profit, a local bank, and then on to the races after that. It led to a speaking career that has taken us to 50 states, dozens of countries, millions of people live. And each time we ask ourselves, what can we do to have a greater impact on this audience and future audiences? So that led first to a book called On Fire and then to a book called In Awe, but always to the question, what more can we do? How do, how do we touch more lives with what we've been blessed with and those that we're able to meet in the marketplace? So the outgrowth of all this was, well, gosh, what if before it became cool to start one, what if we started a podcast? And so it began, as you said, almost six years ago. It began almost 500 episodes ago, and it began with you seated in that, that chair down there for the station. And it has led to heroes of mine. It led to heroes throughout society. It led to people that I think a lot of our listeners probably have not heard of, but after they heard their interviews, they'll never forget them. So in a marketplace with so much tragedy and so much negativity, so much divisiveness, where you're either with us or you're against us, we wanted to create a movement of people that you could follow, people who you could be inspired by, and people whose lives would remind you that the best of your life was yet to come. So that's the Genesis story. Having no clue that it would lead to six years of these podcasts and hundreds of interviews and now millions of listeners, but we knew that the need was real. John, that was a fabulous <laughs> answer to a question you truly did not know was coming. I'm very proud of you with that. Let me ask you this, though. Mom grades on a curve, by the way, everybody at home. So just know, like, I'd come home with C's, and she'd be like, oh, my, congrats, sometimes D's. And she would still congratulate me. And so regardless of the answer you hear from me today, the response from Mom will probably be, wow, that was impressive. My little boy does it again. He was an amazing little student. That's all I can say about him. I will ask you, you mentioned two books that had impact on all of this. Was there possibly another book that had given you any uh, 
inclination. Are you are you self promoting? Somewhat. So Somewhat. In two thousand and five ish, a while ago now, mom and dad O'Leary wrote the book Overwhelming Odds. And they printed a hundred copies. It was actually that book that eventually got in the hands of a little girl who then reached out to me and said, Mr. O'Leary, would you share your story at my school? So if you're asking, even the Genesis story of the Genesis story begins actually with mom and dad watching their son get married and recognizing for the, maybe the first time that this tragic story had a remarkable, miraculous outcome. So three books, In Awe, In Reverse Order, On Fire, and then the very first, Overwhelming Odds. I'll accept, I'll accept any order. I appreciate your going into it so beautifully, John. I just... I just had to touch on that. I think Perfect. you would have regretted it had I not. All right, John, looking back to when you started the podcast, what do you wish you knew? If you had to go back and do anything differently, would you? When you ask that question, are you referring to the podcast or to life? I am referring to basically to the podcast. Would I do anything differently? I would have started sooner. I would have begun in earnest, not only using audio, but also using video, I would have uh, done a better job, I think, making sure that our listeners recognize that we want them in the front row with us, that it's not me and a guest, but it's the three of us and then the four of us and then millions of us together. And so we, we've been doing a better job of all those things lately, but I, I love community. I think it's one of the things, in addition to inspiration that people are longing for, and I would have worked on the front side to make sure that video and community were part of the listenership from the, from day one on. John, to mention a few of the incredible guests you've welcomed on the program, guests like Renee Brown, Mitch Album, Jackie Joyner-Kersey, Captain Jim Lovell, and so many more. Besides episode 000, <laughs> which holds a special place in both our hearts, and that was with yours truly. What interview were you really most excited about? Mm. You know, um, zero, zero, zero is where it began. So you got to start there. And I did, I was nervous. You and I recorded at a big radio station, the same radio station that Jack Buck recorded his voice decades ago. It's called KMOX, Big Signal. So for you and me to meet downtown and have those microphones in our face, that was a blast. And I was filled with anxiety ahead of time, not only because I'm interviewing mom, but because it's the first time I've ever done this work. And what, would anyone listen to it? And it turns out, yeah, yeah they, they would, and they would bring friends, so that was super cool. Then you said, well, who else? Who else is there? For me, driving down to Nashville and interviewing Dave Ramsey in his studio, this is a guy who's got a massive, I think he's the second or third most listened to radio show in the entire world right now. And for, have, for having him join us on the podcast, share his life story, share the work that he does, that was super cool. You mentioned one of the names, I think, during the introduction, but Captain Charlie Plum. Years ago, when you and I were driving down to Florida, you and Dad were in the front of the station wagon. Jim, Katie, Amy, John, Susan, and Laura were in the far back, stuffed into this poor thing with suitcases on top of us. We listened to a, a guy named Charlie Plum tell a story of how he survived almost seven years in a you know, missing in action in Vietnam. And I, I'll never forget the idea of hearing this guy articulate that story of trauma and tragedy and loneliness redeemed into resurrection and togetherness and hope. 
and thinking even way back then that if, if he could turn a story like that into something beautiful, maybe one day I could as well. So then not only to turn our story into something beautiful, but to have him on a podcast that champions that for all of our lives. That was cool. Charlie and I interviewed that day together, but we became friends since. I love Charlie Palm. I could text him right now and he would hop in his own plane, fly to St. Louis and give you a hug, mom. So mm. there have been so many interviews. You mentioned uh, uh, Captain Lavelle. Captain Lavelle, uh, he's the guy who went to the moon twice. So Jim Lavelle is an amazing human being. Tom Hanks played him in the show Apollo 13. To have a fellow who's historically valuable, meaningful, whose life will always have impact. I think all of ours do, but this one will be remembered in history books. Join me. And to have his wife, who walks in in the interview, say, Jim, what are you doing? To have the normalcy of seven decades of marriage remind us, because then she followed that with, oh my gosh, not the moon story again, Jim. You know, here's a dude who goes to the moon twice. Let him brag about going to the moon twice, if you don't mind, while we're doing this interview. But how, how cool to have not only historically important people, but their incredibly important people in their lives keep them humble, but also remind us that uh, life is intended to be lived together. So 500 guests, I, I could not pick one, but you would be one of them, Mom. Um, Plum would be one of them, Lavelle would be other, Ramsey, Brene Brown, among many, many, many others. One of your daughters joined us one time. Her name was Susan O'Leary. We had a great conversation about the day she ran back into a house for water, throwing it on my face. So there's been a lot of ordinary heroes and exceptional heroes, but all of them meaningful in their own ways. You know, sometimes it's the most ordinary story that makes the super ordinary stand out. And I must say, you made reference to being in the car with dad and me probably driving down to Florida. And which only makes me think of the time you were going to start driving down to Florida and we were in our, our conversion van with, I think, five of your siblings. I think Jim possibly wasn't in the car. Smart point, Jim. And I said, someone has to be awake at all times. John is driving. He cannot possibly do this by himself. Someone has to be awake. So we had people positioned as to times because we had the back seat that folded down to a king size bed. So there was like myself and three of the girls stretched out sleeping on that. And then we had the other two seats. Daddy was in the front seat, the passenger seat. In the middle of the night, I woke up with people just leaning on every possible cushion, pillow, window. There could be sound asleep. And there was your father with his head down between you and, and himself, just bobbing along with the car because he was out cold. And there you were counting the number of Cracker Barrels between here and, and Southern Florida. I, it was, it was a feat. We There's, had blinds in the van, but not in the house growing up. So that's the kind of family we were. Uh, Judge if you'd like, but it, we made it safely through the night. Uh, and it wasn't Cracker Barrel, it was Waffle House. I love Cracker oh, Barrel, but it was oh, Waffle House. And down okay. in the South, uh, at some exits, there were up to three 
So it kept me it kept me awake and alert during that lonely midnight drive. I'm I'm sorry for taking a little bit of a turn there with the story. I just had to bring that in. I thought Wayne, I was listeners... fourteen, which made it even all the more <laughs> remarkable. Oh, we could go on all all day like this, John. Okay, but back to back to where we want to be with Live Inspired and the celebration of that. I imagine that not every guest you welcome to the program has aligned himself and his personal beliefs or value with yours. How do you approach those conversations? Mm -hmm. I really mean this, listeners. I have no clue what questions Bob's going to ask. It wasn't expecting the first several or this one. What I try to do, whether it's a podcast guest or a human being in life, is to know clearly enough what I stand for and who I am and whose I am that I'm able to meet others exactly as they are with whatever values or perspectives they may bring to bear. And so in being clear enough on my value sets, I'm able to be a little bit less judgmental and hopefully a little bit more accepting of someone else's. What I'll also say, mom, is when we fundamentally disagree with someone's perspective, either we'll call it on the front side or we'll choose not to bring that guest on to our podcast. We've had several of those. We've had a couple even that we've recorded whose names I won't really share today. Who, as we roll through the podcast, we recognize this isn't the kind of message we want to share with them, with the community around the world now, who are tuning in for a live inspired message. Being clear on who we are allows us to actually love others exactly as they are. And in a marketplace where most of us aren't actually super clear on who we are, and when we are, we only hang out with people who vote and worship and act and look just like we do. So I, I want to know clearly enough who I am that I'm able to hang out and vote and worship and look utterly differently than people that I'm partying with. Because I think that's when we actually find synergy. That's when we find connectivity. And that's when we can do great things together. John, I hope the listeners are half as impressed with your delivery and your answer as your mother is. <laughs> because I am so impressed. I. I just want to give you a big hug right now and tell you how proud I am of you. We received, maybe unbeknownst to you, hundreds of well wishes and heartfelt questions from your listeners. And I'd just like to share a few of them with you. The first is from Michelle T. from New Jersey. Hi, John. This is Michelle Toyercroft from Glen Rock, New Jersey. Congratulations on your 500th podcast. I am a huge fan and listening to your podcast have no doubt have had a positive impact on my life and helped me live a more inspired life. So thank you for all that you do. I have a question though. It is so evident in your podcast the amount of research and time you put into preparing for each podcast. I am curious, how much time does it really take to prepare for each interview? And dude, are you a super duper speed reader? How do you find the time to read all of your guests' books? Well, Michelle, hello, and it's great to have my friend from New Jersey showing up in our lives today. Michelle, I'm not a speed reader. I'm not a great reader, in fact. I think many folks who do what I do today either have someone else read for them, which I generally don't, or they are a phenomenal reader, and I'm not. But I care deeply about the audience, and if you care deeply about the audience, and that includes you, Miss Michelle, you also must care deeply about the person that you're about to sit in front of. And so if you've been listening to the show 
for more than a couple episodes, you, you frequently hear the guests say, wow, uh, I can tell you did your homework. You know things about me that my, my own spouse may not know about me or certainly no other interviewer has ever known or chosen to ask me. So I listen to the podcast they've been on. I watch the TED Talks they give. I read the books that they've written. I read the articles that they've put out there. I try to get to know the heart of the individuals. And in understanding what matters to them and knowing it really, really, really well, you can also understand maybe how that story and that idea connects with our listeners. Because ultimately, I'm not there to champion their life story. It's ultimately to champion Michelle's life story and the other listeners. So that's why I read. That's why when I took my kids and then kissed Beth goodnight, Frequently, I will stumble back down the steps. I'll go out on the screen porch. I'll uh, crack either a cold beer, a glass of water, a cup of coffee, and, and get ready for the interview. Amazing. Amazing. You do have that energizer bunny temperament and ability, John, and I witness it firsthand. It's really a gift <laughs> to, to keep on going like that when you're exhausted, when you've been traveling yeah. around. So back in, I think, 05-ish, I actually was the first ever recipient, you may remember, of the Energizer Keep Going oh, Hall do. of Fame. It was Cal Ripken Jr. and John O'Leary. And I saw my neighbors who used to live near us the other day while walking. And they said the second day we moved in, we knew we were next to some peculiar neighbors because Energizer showed up. They had to get the bunny dressed. And they couldn't do it in my house because it was going to be a surprise. And the bunny costume was too big to drive around with. So they went to a neighbor's house. These people just moved into the neighborhood. And they said, it's a weird request, but we're going to surprise your next door neighbor with some media and some friends. Can we have the bunny dress in your house? So it's funny you bring up Energizer, keep going. But even energy, mom, like I'm blessed in so many levels. First, to be alive. Second, to have family like you, parents like you and dad. But third, to have the energy that I have. I usually have a cup of coffee in the morning, but not more than that. And I'm kind of buzzed throughout the day, so I'm, I'm grateful that the, uh, the old Energizer bunny on my back is still pushing me forward into life. Well, you're amazing. And I know I'm your mother, but you're still amazing. Okay, John. Ross C. from Australia. Hi, John. It's Ross here from Melbourne, Australia, down under. Really love your podcast. It's been my walking companion for the last number of years. It truly exercises both the heart and the mind. My question for you, you've interviewed hundreds of people and spoken to thousands and thousands of people all around the world. What is the legacy that you want to leave, both for your family and for the wider community? Well, Ross, I love your country. I've been there several times, traveled around all of it. My favorite place in the world, actually, when people ask this question, so if I'm stealing your thunder later on, Mom, is Broome. Broome, Australia, the northwestern side of, of that little island down under. So, uh, Ross, thank you for listening. Thank you for the question. And my legacy, you know, I don't, I don't spend a whole lot of time actually reflecting on legacy. I'd rather just live purposefully and passionately and faithfully and relatively audaciously this day. And let those who come behind me write whatever legacy they'd like for me. But ultimately, let me put it to you this way. I hope it's not podcaster. And I hope it's not speaker, and I hope it's not best-selling author or coach or whatever else. Uh, Mother Teresa, and we, we use her quite a bit around here in our Live Inspired Studios, one of the last individuals who met her this side of eternity, when they met Mother Teresa, they looked down, and they were blown away at how ugly her feet were. 
scarred and broken and bandaged and uh, calloused. And then they realized, oh gosh, those are the feet of a walking saint. Probably not perfect, but those are the feet of a woman who spent a lifetime giving to a cause bigger than herself. So Rossi from Australia, I hope by the end of my days, I have extraordinarily ugly feet. And if my legacy is some ugly freaking feet, then I think we had a good podcast and a pretty good run as a speaker. And more than that, a, a strong run as a human being. What a response to Ross. I have to tell you that I am continually stopped. And my, my first question to, from people that, of course, I'm not familiar with or I don't know. Are you John's mother? Yes, I am John's mother. And... Their response is, John gets me going every morning. I, I am so touched. I'm in tears half the time when John finishes a podcast or finishes his Monday morning presentation. I just can't even begin to tell you how he affects my spiritual. Back to the, the program. John D. from Michigan. Hey, John. John Daly from Lakeshore High School here in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. First of all, i got to say congrats on your 500th episode, uh, but also everything you do helps so many people, including me, and it's been helping me for a long time. I was wondering what your everyday schedule looks like. How are you able to balance speaking and podcasting and spend time with your family? And all those books you read, I'm amazed at all the things you get done. Share your secrets. Thanks, John. Keep up the good work. Matt Miller, our organizational coach, says, focus on your most important, stay within your circle of influence, and then take your next right step forward. And if you try to just do a lot of things average, or you try to just stay busy doing busy stuff, you will find yourself doing average things and staying busy and falling asleep exhausted, wondering where the day went. What I try to do is get laser focus on the things that matter most. So for me, mom, I get up before I need to. I take inventory of what I've got. I start my day in prayer and reflection, gratitude journal, why me? It's a question we ask at presentations that I think people think it's a good tool to use as a speaker. Like what a, what a nice sound post to use, but the reality is this is stuff I practice. So I, I start my day before I need to, otherwise the day gets me. Uh, the night before I fall asleep, I ask the question, what more can I do? And that gets me laser focused on what I wanna do to have a phenomenal following day. As far as progressing through that day though, it's it's ultimately about countering out the stuff that you want to get done and get done well. And then making time for a little bit of gray matter in between that allows you to do things like spend time taking a lap around the neighborhood, spend time playing with your kids. One of the things that I'm super adamant about is when I'm home, I'm home. And when I'm at work, I'm at work. And one of the things that both the people who know me in both areas would say to you is they've never once heard my phone ring. I don't have a ringer on my phone. It may have one, but I've never once heard it. This has been going back for years. I don't want to be tethered to technology. So when I'm at work and when I'm in a team meeting, I'm in the team meeting. I'm not thinking about the next call. When I'm at home with my kids or shooting baskets with the little ones or having dinner with Beth, the phone's not ringing. So I think the idea of being hyper-focused on the one in front of you allows you to be far more effective in relationship, in faith, in health, and in life. And that's one thing I think we've done a pretty good job of over the last 20 years of building this business. I think it's been amazing. And I do have to say one 
I want to share one story because usually you do not have a, this is all about John O'Leary Day. Let me talk about me and the things I do. I, I don't think I've ever heard that uh, in any of your productions. So I will share this story that about three weeks ago, a woman from our parish called me and left the message. Uh, there is a boy that I know very indirectly who was burned seriously. And he's very upset about this. He lives in Indiana. I'm wondering if John could possibly have the time to give him a call or drop him a note. So I responded to her, I can promise you he will. Yes, John will be on that. You just get me the information and I'll get it to John. As I relayed the information to you, you somewhat humbly said to me, Mom, yeah, I know about this boy. I was able to visit him in the hospital. Amazing. Is that amazing? All the things I would like to do in my little life here, and I go through day after day after day and don't accomplish things like that. So, yeah, so I, you need my, first of all, thank you. It's a beautiful story, and we are committed to mission around our office. We view everything we do from the podcast to speaking to book sales, everything, ultimately drawing in other people into our movement so that we can make a difference together. Positively changing the world one life at a time, starting with our own. That's the mission. So when we get these requests, if it was me managing all this, I would lose that email immediately. Luckily, I have an incredible team. They, these little kids, go on the love list. And then when I travel, we draw forward that love list and say, gosh, you're going to be in Indianapolis. Let's swing by. Let's go visit that little one. So without them, again, and without the tools that allow you to focus on your most important, I want to do these things. So uh, like you and like all of our listeners, I want to serve. And like you and most of our listeners, I would not serve, except I have an amazing team that helps me serve. So we need to have folks around us to kind of provide bumpers so we can we can do life effectively. Not only live, not only passively live life, but intentionally live the life we desire for others. A wonderful answer, John, to um, to pass the credit along to, to everyone like that. I know you feel that yeah. way. And John, we have Sally S from Missouri. Hi, John. This is Sally Starzik, your favorite teacher from Rockwood Valley Middle School. And I want to congratulate you on all your achievements, your books, your podcasts, your everything. You're just doing a great job. And you are in my classroom every Monday, whether you like it or not. We do Monday Motivation with John O'Leary. And a question that I would like to ask you is if there's one particular person that you interviewed that really stood out and why, and also if you've ever been moved to tears. So Sally, yes, conversations I've had with you have left me in tears. I know you, uh, I get the emails from you that you occasionally send in. I know you and Coach Matt are in conversation. And one of my favorite stories is actually not the time you invited me to share uh, a Monday morning motivation live with your class. I think it was middle school at the time. Uh, and then the little boy that we celebrated and then you, Sally, in the front of the room, one of my favorite times actually was going through a Chick-fil-A early on a Saturday morning. My wife and I and a, a, a young man, probably 17 years old in Chick-fil-A, said uh, as I handed him my credit card, are you John O'Leary? And I said, I am. And he said, Miss Sally was my teacher. 
you came into my school one time and spoke, and I'll never forget, Mr. John, meeting you that day. And so, Sally, you you have impacted lives not only in your class today. I know you're still educating, but generationally. So it's like really important work that you do. And as far as my favorite guest or someone who's left me emotional, again, uh, I have never not been moved in one of these episodes. If we weren't moved, we don't play it. It's very rare that that would happen. But if we're not moved by something, we don't play it. There, there was a woman who, whose entire family was murdered in Africa. And I remember listening to this conversation in shock that not only were they murdered, but that she forgave those who murdered them. That was something that utterly stuck with me in that same beautiful continent. We had a beautiful woman who was involved in a plane crash. Everyone on the plane passed away except for her and one classmate. This little girl has scars over her entire body, barely survived. She did recover. And eventually she stopped. She found her voice, mom. And her name is Ketchy. Ketchy came over to the United States on almost like a dare, started singing publicly, and this continues to sing publicly, beautifully. America's Got Talent, I believe, is the show that she's on. She is stunning. Her voice is beautiful. Her heart is prettier. She blows me away. We've had athletes and astronauts and overcomers and mountain climbers and authors, ordinary heroes. We had a woman years ago that I got to meet live in Denver over coffee. You and I are on a screen porch. She and I were together in a, in a coffee shop. Her name is Sue Klebel. You may not know that name. If not, check out the podcast. And you may know her son's name, though. His name was Dylan. Dylan, probably now two decades ago, was one of the Columbine shooters. That day, not only did a bunch of children in that school lose their life, but so did Sue's son. After murdering several classmates, he turned the gun on himself and passed away. This is like tragedy upon tragedy. And then the community, in many regards, shunned Sue. And so this is a woman who lost her son. This is a woman who didn't raise a son to be evil. He turned that way somehow without her even knowing it, and it shocked her too. So there's just all these stories of, yes, agony and sadness and grief, and yet, this is the best part, Sally and mom and listeners. Over time, these stories, key, the key word is they're over time, turn to moments of grace and healing. So Sue was able to share what she learned from that experience. And now she is an advocate to make sure that that same kind of tragedy does not befall other schools or other families. So we, we've been overwhelmed by the folks who have shown up for our podcast and shared their life with us. And Sally, my friend, you are one of them. Very, very moving. Honey, very moving. Okay, John, we're winding down, I think. I could go on all day, you know that. But I think I think we will be winding down. As you know, something that tethers all of your guests together is the Live Inspired Seven. Before I walk you through those seven questions, John, do you remember walking me through the Live inspired seven. Mom, I'm not allowed to talk on air about how uh, about how you were treating me quietly with your facial expressions and your eyes darting these looks of how could you do this to me? How could you not prep me for these difficult questions? So I will never forget my first time running a guest through the Live Inspired Seven. You did an awesome job. I still remember that, and I've never been asked these questions to my knowledge. So this will be, I think, my first time running through these myself. I was not expecting this either, but I'm ready to go when you are. We are ready to go. 
my friend. Okay, number one. John, what is the best book that you have ever read? This is the first time you gave me angry eyes. I and remember that well before you started punching my leg and then finally responded with, you ready for it, listeners? The Help. That's right. Mom's favorite book was The Help. And it is a good book. Uh, I've read it as well. It's probably not my favorite or most impactful in my life. Overwhelming Odds, to give another plug for the, the book that you and Dad wrote, would be one of them for sure. There's a, a picture that I have in my office, Amy Loyette, who's listening to our conversation live. I've seen it every time she comes in. It's on the right side of the office, painted by an old artist named Rembrandt. And I don't have the original. The original's hanging in St. Petersburg, Russia. But I have a cheap knockoff hanging up in oil in mine. And it hangs not only in my office, but it hangs on the front side of a book I read years ago called The Return of the Prodigal Son. That book was written by a guy named Henry Nowen. And in fact, our third born Henry shares that name with Henry Nowen in part because how moved I and then Beth was by this man's work and his words and his life. So the prodigal son is ultimately the story of a broken boy who leaves home, does everything wrong in the world, and then recognizes the opportunity to come home. And he's nervous and he's full of anxiety. And he's, he's done everything wrong. He knows the parent's judgment is coming. And before he even makes it all the way into the home, the dad greets him after a sprint to the hillside because dad was looking for him. And so it's this beautiful moment of this embrace when dad comes out to the son and just loves him. I love that. And as important as that moment is, off to the side is the older brother, the one who did everything right and well. And he stands there with this fist kind of clenched, kind of angrily judging this moment of grace. And I love all three of those characters because who among us hasn't been all three characters? I think we identify as that kid who's made some mistakes. We hopefully identify occasionally as the dad. But don't kid yourself if you don't occasionally identify as the stay-at-home son who did everything perfectly and did not even receive a kid goat for the party that never came your way. So I, I love the way that Henry Nowen unpacked that story. I love the way Rembrandt painted that story. And uh, that, that, that book reminded me, you are both boys, John, but you're called to be the father. I also have read The Return of the Prodigal, and don't I wish I'd given that answer five and a half years ago. It just, as good as the help is, oh, I wish I would have done it, but there's always tomorrow. Okay, let's go on to number two. Originally, you asked, Tomorrow you discover your wealthy uncle shockingly dies at the age of 103, leaving you millions of dollars. What would you do with that? If truly, Mom, someone passed away and left me with millions, I don't think I would change anything professionally. I might try to hire one more staff member to manage our community. We, we really want to be known not only for podcasting and everything else, but for our involvement building and shaping and improving the world one life at a time starting with our own we're doing the best we can but we could we could use another human being or two or an army so i would thoughtfully strategize that and then hire someone to help me do that that would be one thing i would do i would help fund a cure not research i'm bored by research at this point a cure for parkinson's disease wouldn't it be fun to have our dad back we don't know if we're going to have him for a, a day, a week, a year, a decade, or far more. But to have dad with us without that pale 
of Parkinson's disease would be awesome. I know for you, his caregiver and his beautiful wife. So that's one thing I would love to see happen. Parkinson's disease eradicated. Uh, mostly though, ever, as you know, I'm blessed beyond measure already. Mostly I would just strive to figure out ways to be generous with it, which means looking outside of our own family. And I don't know exactly to what cause we would first fund, but probably one of them would be helping kids who experience trauma. I, as you know, experienced trauma, and then I came home to parents who loved me well, and five siblings, and a golden retriever, and Jack Buck, and Carol Bauer, and the entire community who supported me. And what we know is most kids don't come home to that. So to create uh, a community where those kids may return after trauma with scars on the inside and outside, but also with support to guide them, it would be fun to support an organization like that. Maybe there would be just a tiny fund that you would put aside for your mother. No, and just, there's no, there, he, he didn't have enough. He didn't leave us with enough. Of that. Oh, all right. Well, just millions. I don't need a white couch. I've always wanted one, but I, I certainly don't need it. Okay, John, as you were writing your second best-selling book, In Awe, you changed question two to what is a characteristic or trait that you possessed as a child that you wish you still exhibited mm. today? These were given to your mother years <laughs> ago. If it seems difficult, I was the first recipient of these questions. Well, you did a phenomenal job, and I, I have benefited from asking hundreds of others. So uh, these aren't shocking me, but I've never really thought through my answer to them. It's just that is a bit surprising. Mom, you remember the little boy in your backyard who threw baseball after baseball against the house. And uh, you probably remember his humor and his optimism and his playfulness. And I hope to a degree you see all that in my life today. One of the things that my kids frequently will say about me is how dad, their dad, that's me, remains ever ready to play. And uh, I love that. And I do it not because I sometimes want to, but because I want to remain as childlike as possible. Writing that book reminded me to not step away from that characteristic of playfulness. So I, I have opted into that a little bit more since first asking that question. If I had to answer it directly, though, as bold as people probably think I am, in a large new setting or a small new setting, I'm more introverted. So um, back in the day, Mr. Carville in sixth grade would say, John, one day you will be either either a professional comedian, which I'm not, or you will be on radio, which I guess I am. But he said that because in almost every conversation as a school, I would rise up and be heard. And now today, when I'm not working, when I'm not on a podcast or speaking or doing a coaching session, I treasure sitting back. I do so much work when I'm working. It's fun sometimes to be a little bit more passive. And that little boy back in the day, would have shrugged off tiredness and stepped forward and had his voice heard. So I, I wish it was uh, the willingness and the desire to be heard when it mattered. Mm. Good, th good, good thought. Good thought, honey. Okay, sweetie, your house is on fire. Well, I hate to even go into this. All living things and people are out, including your parents. <laughs> You have the opportunity to run in and grab one item. What's it going to be, John? So 
I have been asked this before, and it's changed. Once Henry, Jack, Patrick, and Grace, Emma May, I'm not going to let the puppy dog perish in the flames either. Mom and Dad, Beth, everybody's out. What I would would have grabbed was the crystal baseball jackpot. It's just so cool. And for those who know the story, you know the story. And for those who don't, uh, find it all great book retailers. The book's on fire, overwhelming odds, or in awe to satisfy your curiosity. But I would let that burn now. The thing I would grab, maybe surprisingly, is actually a journal I gave Beth. He spoke about this in Bible study earlier this week, I, I heard. Not at a bad period in our marriage, but at a bit of a stagnant one, potentially, when I was running fast, when the book in all was about to be released and on fire just come out and I'm speaking all the time. I recognized the most important relationship to me was my wife. And she was the one I was giving the least attention to. And so on January 1, I made an entry that said, Dear Beth, and I just started tracking in her life the things that I saw her doing well, whether it was something she wore or a kind word she spoke or something she did for the kids or something she made for a neighbor, a gift that she dropped off, showing up for kids with, with special needs, all the things she did in life every day. And uh, in the race through the day, I think we all are guilty of this. I was missing it. So on January when I started tracking it and I did it on the second and the third and the fifth and the 11th every single day in January, Rocky one, two, three, ultimately into four. So 360 entries later, I gave it to Beth for Christmas. And it had tucked in their movie tickets and receipts from dinners and flights that we took as a couple and all these things we did. And it was the best year of our marriage to that point. I think we may have had a couple better ones since, but it was a really good year of marriage because uh, I was focused on the good. And in life, it's easy to lose sight of that. All of us are guilty of that, or at least I know I am. And uh, I love that occasionally when I'm tucking kids in at night, I will see Beth in our room reading that old wine-stained, coffee-stained, over-traveled, ugly, poor handwriting, everything else about that journal. And I'll hear her laughing. So it not only served for me as how good she is, it also reminded her how good our marriage was. I did share that yesterday, John, and uh, uh, people confided in me after I gave talk that it just brought them to tears just thinking of you doing that with the schedule you have if you are committed to someone bigger than yourself why not why not try that it was beautiful it really was okay this is one that really got me i hope it gets you so you're not really you really have to think hard you are sitting on a bench, John, overlooking Brighton Beach, and you have the opportunity to have a long conversation with anyone, living or dead. Who is that going to be? So I know your answer, and he would be one of mine as well. When you said it, I think you were obviously surprised by the question. It took you a moment, and then you said, Martin Luther King Jr. And what a phenomenal person, in particular, where we are as a nation, as, as a global community. Things are hot right now. Things are wildly divided right now. One of the things, expressions that MLK's daughter, I've heard her say this, heard her say this several times, is so frequently in life, we act like we are just a temperature gauge. But my dad taught me we are a thermostat. We get to determine the temperature in this room. And gosh, wouldn't it be wise for the rest of us to act like thermostats right now? 
to turn it up a little bit when we need it, but also to turn it down a little bit as required. So we're doing it right now. So yeah, Martin Luther King Jr., you're next in line. But I am amazed, and Beth has bought me books from this guy several different times, but he, I mean, outside of Jesus Christ, I can't think of anyone else who changed the world to his degree, and it's St. Paul. And I love everything about Paul, uh, including the fact that at first he, he was on the other side of the fence. And then through this turning point, through this inflection point, through this transformation, through this conversion, he recognizes the call, he travels the world, he is abused and beaten and ultimately put down to death, but not before writing about half of the New Testament. So to ask a guy who lost his life for the cause, what motivated you? Uh, and what do you think today? And what would you encourage others around? And how do you how do you love others as they are, even when you don't feel like loving them? And so many of the letters were ultimately about being love in a marketplace that was not those things. So he was a brilliant guy and certainly a, a, a world changer. It's surprising that you answered by the name St. Paul because as fate would have it yesterday when I was giving the short teaching um, because we are in fact doing Romans and I don't know if you, I no. don't think you knew that I was I shared about your journal with Beth and I shared Beth's response that I remember you saying vividly John why did you do this right and what I said yesterday I shared that and then I talked about we are going to be unwrapping very slowly the life of St. Paul this year and when we focus on all the things he went through the beatings and stoning and imprisonment and shipwreck mm. to go through all that when he'd already spread so much of the faith to so many areas uh, around the Aegean Sea why would he continue on we're going to look at it and say oh why did you do this mm. so I had the, the same same response a great great overlap and people listening right now it's important to recognize i'm committed and convicted around my faith enough so that i bring on people into this podcast who have an utterly different faith background than i and occasionally people will reach out to us and i'm grateful for every email saying to us that they turned us off because we had on a person of jewish faith or a person who was muslim or a person who was an atheist or all the various re religions around the world and I always write back as they say goodbye to me, like, hey, when you when you want to come back, we're here. But we want to know enough about what we believe that we can learn from those who believe otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm next to St. Paul, but I have enough room on this bench for people who believe differently than either one of us. I love that. I love that. Okay, Jan, we're moving on to number five. What is the best advice you've ever received? And I have no ill feelings if you're not quoting me on something I told you. You know, it is you, actually. And I've been asked this before, and now it's coming back to me. But you used to have a sign in your kitchen that said, this too shall pass. And you had it hanging two house fires ago and pre-Parkinson's disease when a husband was gainfully employed, skipping off to work every day in the Mercury Sable. 
And then you add it after a little boy got burned and after a husband got Parkinson's disease and after that job was lost and after that stable was sold and after a second house fire and after all the things you've gone through physically as a as a reminder that when you are on top of the world, maybe someone should whisper to you, hey, person, chill out because this too shall pass. Don't wish it away. And at the same time, when you feel as if you're buried under the weight of the world, to at the same time have someone whispering behind you and then encouraging you, this too shall pass. So that's a great reminder. I feel right now like I'm kind of on top of the world, but I don't take the world for granted. And in part because of that reminder that my mom gave me hanging up in the kitchen years ago, this too shall pass. Thank you. I appreciate that answer. And I was teasing you when I said that, as you well know. Well, I, don't, I don't want to be cut out of the will. Already, no. my wealthy uncle passed away at 103. Yeah. Now you next. Got to yeah. make sure I praise you on the way out. Oh, it's going to be a real disappointment to this boy. But anyway, he's got a good, he has a good spirit. Moving on to number six. What advice, John, would you give to your 20-year-old self? I end almost every newsletter with this, and I have never been asked this one. We almost always end every podcast and every newsletter with this, this sentence, the best is yet to come. It's frequently how I will sign books. And I think people might even think that is uh, obnoxious optimism or false optimism. I believe it. I believe it both in this world and in the world to come, that the best is yet to come. And that's not, there's a new term called toxic positivity. And it was one of the one of the teachers that I spoke to a school, and I will not name any names, but I spoke to a school and a teacher came up afterwards and said, I'm not sure toxic positivity is what we need right now. And I would remind her as I did, and I would remind all of our listeners, it's not toxic positivity to believe that tomorrow could be a little bit better than today. And to believe that you have the agency to actually boldly step toward that goal. So if you believe those last two things, that tomorrow could be better than today, and that you have agency to actually pick up yourself to grab the boots and go to work. Uh, that's not fake optimism. It's just pragmatic. It's yeah. real and we'll live into it. So I believe that both from the, the earthly sense, but also from a spiritual bent, that the best is yet to come. So that's the advice I would tell a 20 year old, college drunk, unemployed, unemployable, never dating anybody, little 20 year old punk. The best is yet to come, have faith in that. I have that. At my sink. Oh, you yes. probably know right now. You hold on to it. Yeah. We got a couple of those around our house now. Uh, all right, my friend. You have worked your way to number seven. This has been a workout. I'm sweating out here on the screen, of course. Yeah. Um, John, it's been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How do you want yours to read? <laughs> What a great question. So I, I feel I feel the pain of our 499 previous guests because these are. And for those who've been listening to more than just this podcast, they recognize most of the questions we give our audience, our, our interviewees, they get pretty quickly. And then these seven, they kind of stumble through a little bit because they're all thought-provoking, including, of course, this one. At the end of the day, this is back to, is it Russ or Ross from Australia? Our friend Ross from Australia talked about legacy, and this plugs back into legacy. Years ago, when On Fire was coming out, I was flown up to New York to provide an interview on a podcast. 
And as I'm in front of this gentleman's office while waiting for them to answer, it takes a while sometimes in Manhattan, across the street was an old synagogue. And in that synagogue on the top of it were these Hebrew words that I, of course, didn't know how to read. So once I finally was buzzed and I asked, what did that say? And it was from Micah. And it was the actual uh, verse from Micah. And I said, well, what's that verse? And the verse was, seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. What, what an awesome reminder to tap into granite in Manhattan for those who are about, about to enter into prayer. Seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. What a great reminder to remind those busy Manhattanites as they race from meeting to meeting and, and station to station. Seek justice, love, love mercy, walk humbly with God. But for me, as I do likewise, catching the next flight, I got to leave here later on today, Mom, to occasionally slow down to recognize why we're here in the first place. And if you're doing that, seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And I think if I do those things, the legacy of being a great presenter and influential as a podcaster and an effective author and a great dad and phenomenal husband and pretty decent son and everything else mom that I'm striving for, those things will come. If it begins with that idea of John O'Leary, seek justice, love mercy and walk humbly with God. Uh, I think that that was as magnificent an answer as anyone could have given. And uh, I know I'm your mother, but I'm close to you and I can, testify that you just do exactly that. Okay, honey. Let me say it has been an honor. And I I would love to get it any other time you'd like me to do this. I'd be happy to sit in for you. But it's been an honor to take the reins on such a significant and meaningful episode. And I look forward to the next 500 episodes. My friends out there for this time and until next time, my name is Susan O'Leary. Today is your day. What a gift. Live inspired. Well, my friends, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I and my mom enjoyed having it. Being interviewed by my sweet mom on her beautiful screened-in porch with the birds chirping in the background was the highlight for me. I'm always looking for one key takeaway, but for me today, it's pretty clear. Sacred, precious time with one of the most important people in my life at her house. So, Mom, thank you for having that conversation with me. Amy Loyette and our team here at Live Inspired, thank you for recording that podcast with my mom. I want to thank each of you who wrote and emailed and called and messaged well wishes on our 500th episode. I know for those who wrote in or called in or messaged in that you were worried that we might stop recording. No, we're not going to stop recording anytime soon. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep sharing the inspiration into a marketplace that is longing for it. I hope you also look forward to each and every Monday morning motivation and Thursday podcast drop for an opportunity to sit alongside of me as we have the opportunity and the honor of visiting with life-giving and life-changing leaders in these conversations, some of them household names, others everyday heroes, and still others, those in between. 
You've heard the names of numerous past guests throughout the conversation today with my mom. I'll have all of those names shared in the show notes with links to their corresponding episode numbers so that you can go listen to whomever you want, whenever you want to listen to it. You can check that all out right now by visiting me at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash podcast. As always, if you have questions or comments or feedback, you can email me direct at podcast at johnolearyinspires.com. One more time, it's podcast at johnolearyinspires.com. And here's a cool idea. We are now touching 500. High five in right there. Congratulations to all of us for making it there. But we're going on to 501 and then 502 and then onward from there. So if you have guests that you would love us to sit alongside and have an opportunity to interview them on their life story, you want to learn more about them, why not email me right now at podcast at johnolearyinspires.com for an opportunity of interviewing someone that you think we ought to check out. Can't wait to hear from you on that. My friends, I want to thank each and every one of you for being along on this journey with us, 500 episode and going strong. And I want to remind you that the headwinds may be real, but the foundation is firm and the best is yet to come. So for this 500th time and until next time, my name is John O'Leary. Today is your day. What a gift. Live inspired. You know that Keeley Companies is all about fostering the world-class culture through their incredible cultural pillars. Well, it was time to add a seventh cultural pillar, Keeley Green. Guided by the mission to raise the sustainability standards by which they design, build, operate, and live, Keeley Green is dedicated to using a holistic approach to leave a positive impact on our environment, create a future that is sustainable for generations to come. In the words of Rusty Keeley, we are just getting started. You can learn more about that just getting started mentality and all the work they do by visiting my friends at Keeley Companies online at keeleycompanies.com.